I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein. Here's your host, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning to everyone. Solo today. I don't have my caddy with me. Your caddy? My caddy. Ooh. Yeah. I can't believe you're already talking smack about Harold. He's not even across from you. Well, that's why I can call him my caddy. <laughs> uh, no, Harold's uh, on uh, vacation with his uh, family or visiting family somewhere. Is he up in Northeast? I know he did that last no, year. No, he does that in the summer. Nobody wants to go up there now. Uh, that's fair. Uh, so, no, I am I forget where he is. He's very nervous, though. He's, like, texting me four times yesterday. Are you okay with the show? Do you need me to call in? <laughs> you have guests? It's like, Harold, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, this is coming from the guy who uh, needs his producer to pop his mic. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Harold, like, if I forget to pop the bike, Harold will look at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, you got a button right there. It's right there. It's right there. Anyway, no, I've uh, I've employed the big guns today to help us out. Coming up at 815, we'll talk to our buddy Jeff Sanders, Executive Vice President of Golf Events. He's the man for the Winco Foods Portland Open, presented by Kraft Heinz and three other tournaments uh, that have now wrapped up. But I want to get his thoughts uh, not only on on those sorts of tournaments, but a couple of big things uh, coming out in the last week or so. Uh, this Premier Golf League that keeps getting floated about, Phil took a look at it, said, eh, not really. Tiger said he has, his team has looked at it and is trying to understand what it is, if it's viable. And uh, so it would be a a competitive league to the PGA and the European tour. They're trying to get small fields of the world's best golfers to play team events uh, over the course of a calendar year, 12 to 18 events for big money. I don't know how viable it is, but the fact that Tiger and Phil have gone on publicly saying, we'll, we'll take a look at it. We'll look at it. How concerned should the PGA tour be? Well, and the fact that Phil was kind of eh about it should tell you maybe there's not a lot of money in it. Well, that's Phil's the big all about the dollars. Is 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 the financial? Well, they're talking about having big purses for small fields, but is there the financial backing behind it? Do they have a TV deal? How are they going to get people? Where is it going to be played? Is it all over the world? Is it concentrated in North America, in the United States, and Western Europe? How are they going to do it? Uh, so there's a lot of questions still to be asked. So I want to talk about with you guys too later on if that concept. Uh, would get you to tune into more golf because you're the casual, even less than casual observers of the game. Yeah, and I mean, golf is such a sport. I mean, I'm a tennis fan, and tennis and golf are similar in a way yeah, that there's a lot it's similarities. star-driven. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's about the personalities. No and then the super big events that yeah. everybody understands the history of. But uh, for your random, you know, every week, just tournament that's got a few big names. But other than that, you know, who's tuning into that. So we'll get into that. Also, the RNA and the USGA on February 4th, they put out uh, their distance insights report and conclusion. I had some uh, travel, air travel this week. I actually printed out the thing and, and read it. Well, most of it. I read the conclusion with 16 pages. That made sense. The actual report is 100 and some odd pages. A lot of charts and graph goes into the science behind all the testing Oof. and stuff. And I started seeing stuff about regressions of coefficients of resiliency. Started having flashbacks to college. and You lost and, me at stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to talk about that with Jeff. We're also going to talk about it with Barb Trammell, who's the CEO of the OGA here, the Oregon Golf Association. I want to get her thoughts on kind of what is the plan uh, more the conclusions of it, uh, because basic the basic premise of it is that at the elite level, uh, the technology is such the development of the elite golfer 
uh, in terms of strength and fitness and athleticism, the combination of those two things along with how much better uh, golf maintenance is of the courses and how they can groom them uh, precisely uh, has reached the limit that they think is good for the game. And are they going to start dialing it back? They're worried about losing the ability to play elite tournaments at um, historic, you know, great golfing venues because guys can just overpower them. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that is versus what you, you know, us weekend duffers and hackers who just are trying to get find every yard of extra advantage we can get just to get out there and shoot bogey golf. And I know Tiger was kind of the one to lead the way in terms of. Uh, you know, modern golf exercise and workouts and starting to take care of your body on yeah. a bigger level. But really the guy that I well, always he took think it of the mainstream. Yeah. The guy I always think of is Rory McIlroy. Cause you see the pictures of yeah. him just cut up. And now you weights. got guys like Brooks Kepka, what yeah. Bryson DeChambeau is doing. They look like uh, outside linebackers yeah. rather than what we think of as golfers. Well, Kepka has the demeanor of a linebacker. And we'll also uh, ask Barb, there is a new world golf handicap system that is going into place. Uh, so if you are, if you do have a handicap, things are going to change slightly. She's going to uh, kind of highlight those, how to get signed up, what to look for, how it's uh, going to affect what you do out there on the course. So a couple of things coming up. I thought they would be interesting. So all that to come. But as always, we start by going inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards, the latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. Well, we will start. Three tours we're keeping an eye on today. We'll start with the Corn Ferry Tour. They are back stateside after their run through uh, Central America. And uh, they are in Florida. Lakewood Ranch, Florida to be exact. The Lakewood National Golf Club for the Lacom Suncoast Classic. And a familiar name to Northwesterners, uh, Robert Garrigus. At 12-under is tied with Peter Uline and Jack McGuire for the lead. They got a one-shot lead over a handful of uh, players, one, two, three, four, five, six guys at 11 under and another bunch at 10 under. So a tightly packed leaderboard. Uh, but Robert Garrigus uh, spent some time in Gresham, spent some time uh, down in uh, Corvallis uh, going to, um, oh, now I can't, what, what's the other, uh, uh, Crescent Crescent Valley High School. I had a total That's right. out of high school mode right now. Crescent Valley High School. Did you have a high school flashback? No, no. <laughs> God, we don't need to go there. <laughs> I'm just saying, you looked like your eyes were glazing a bit. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, but it's good to see Robert Garrigus. He got hot in the second round. Seven birdies and two eagles in the last 14 holes he played. He had a 10 under 62. It's the low round this year on Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, he lost his uh, exempt status on the PGA Tour last year, finishing 131st on the uh, FedEx points list. So he's in between the two tours. Uh, he'll play some Corn Ferry Tour events trying to get back to exempt status. He'll still be eligible for some PGA Tour events, but boy, if he can uh, get a victory here early in, make sure he's uh, putting himself in position for that top 25. He won't have to worry about it. And uh, for somebody that's been through as much as Robert Garrigus has, uh, you remember he had a suspension there as he worked through some personal issues a couple of seasons ago. Uh, one of the big hitters as well, and now at the age of 42, uh, trying to get back on the PGA Tour for good. We wish him well and uh, hope to see more of him back on the PGA Tour. The women finishing up their run in Australia. It's the ISPS Handout Women's Australian Open. They're playing the Royal Adelaide Golf Club in Seton, South Australia. They completed the third round overnight, and it is the Hall of Famer to be in B Park at 15 under three rounds in the 60s on the par 73 course. She is looking to get her 20th victory on the LPGA Tour. She hasn't won since 2018. If she does so, uh, it'll, she'll be the 28th LPGA player to amass 20 victories in her career. She's got a three-shot lead over a Korean rookie, Ion Cho. And then friend of the show, Marina Alex, is at 11 under. Under. Uh, she's looking to get her first victory since she won the Cambia Portland Open back in 2018. Uh, a great event. Another, uh, we mentioned a par 73 course down there. But NB Park uh, trying to run away with this thing. She hasn't won, as we mentioned, since 2018. Uh, 
but she's uh, looking to get back. She is one of those players as well, motivated by the Olympics. She was the uh, gold medal winner in the Olympics in 2016 in Rio The as they reinstated golf as an Olympic sport, and she would love to be back representing Korea, uh, having a chance to defend her gold medal. Can I sidebar there? Why was golf uninstated? As an Olympics work. Why, why did that stop at a certain point? I, I don't. It, I mean, it had been, it was really early on. Uh, I, it's probably mostly politics, governing bodies. Was it just like the demographic blocking that like, you know, only wealthy people could probably play the game in the beginning? Uh, well, it was it. The premier way, 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 way back in the 20s, 30s. It was the best golfers were amateur and so if you were a professional golfer, you were looked down upon. That was mostly kind of people who were caddies hmm. or greenskeepers or whatever who were trying to make a couple of extra bucks. So amateurs were the best golfers because they were the privileged, the aristocratic, the elite, as is the stereotype of the game. And it was frowned upon to, quote, be professional. That's uh, so until weird. Until I think it was uh, the 40s. I think it was the 40s. I was actually... Harold would know those sorts of things. Um, but yes, and so as an amateur sport, as it became more and more professional, and professionals were at that point not allowed to be Olympic athletes, then it kind of went sideways. And so it took a while for all the governing bodies then. Uh, with the Summer Olympics also, once they expanded the what the major tour schedules, that's when they play most, and it was a scheduling nightmare. And hmm. so it looked, took a lot of political will to, to bring it back. That's interesting. Yeah. So now it's back. It'll be in Tokyo. Uh, and um, I know the Americans, Tiger really wants to make the team. We'll see if he can do that. That leads us to Tiger's tournament. He has taken over as the official host of the Genesis Invitational, now a smaller field, although uh, Tiger just making the cut. He's right at even par. He's got work to do. He'll have to play the back nine first and see if he can put on a run. But Matt Kuchar is your leader at nine under par. He's got a two-shot lead over Harold Varner the third, uh, Rory McIlroy, who's back as the world number one at seven under, and Wyndham Clark, the former Oregon Duck, at seven under as well. Uh, they'll tee off around 10 a.m. this morning, the last group going off. Adam Scott is at six under, had the round of the day in eight under 64 yesterday to shoot up the leaderboard. Uh, John Rahm is at four under. Justin Rose, J.B. Holmes also at four under, so a good leaderboard. But uh, we'll see if Cooch can get a victory there. It's been a, He had two last year, and uh, he's interested in uh, getting into that Olympic team as well for the United States. Harold Varner III is still looking for his first uh, PGA Tour win. He keeps knocking on the door. One of the more delightful personalities uh and when the Corn Ferry Tour started here, uh, when the Winco first started, he was one of the first guys to get that PGA Tour card. And he was great. A great personality. A lot of fun. If you ever get a chance to get to a PGA, follow him around because he won't have a big. But he'll, he's likely to be one of the guys that will chat with you, trash talks. He's actually on Brand Jordan um, as a golfer. He's fantastic. That's weird. Have some fun, man. If you're ever at a PGA Tour event and he's there, Go follow him for nine holes. It's a blast. I thought it was really weird when Spieth was rocking the Under Armour out on the golf course, but then when I hear Jordan brand, yeah. it just doesn't seem like it should be there. It's like yeah, he's got like were... Air Jordan golf shoes. It's fantastic. Dude. He's so much fun. He's personable. Uh, so he's he got will... the swoosh man on his hat? Uh, I don't know if he's got it. It's, it's on his shirt. I know for sure. I don't know if he – he doesn't – I don't think he wears a hat, but well, I'll have to go <laughs> back and check. So that's what's going on. On the tours, uh, CBS has the coverage. They're playing famed Riviera Pacific Palisades, California, the last stop on the West Coast swing uh, before they start working their way east in preparation for the Masters. So that's what's going on on the tours. We'll take a break. When we come back, our good friend Jeff Sanders uh, from Lagadier Golf going to join us, find out how things have finished up for his events, get his thoughts on this premier golf league that's being floated around, and uh, a few other things as well. As we're just getting going here, minus Harold, I'm flying solo, bringing in the big guns to help me today. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Jason Swigar back here with 816, flying solo. Harold uh, visiting some family. He'll be back with us uh, next Saturday. And so uh, very pleased to have joining us once again, the executive VP of golf events for Lagadier Golf, our good buddy, Jeff Sanders. Yeah, we've got a live studio audience in here for you. First of all. Good morning, 
Swag. Good morning. Where are you? I'm in La Quinta, California, ah. down here. We're tying a bow on the American Express PJ Tour event that we finished a couple of weeks ago. So, there yeah, I got go. 78. I got 78 S. They call, 78 Sun here today, buddy. So. Yeah, I'm we, not in the Portland rain. Uh, no, you're not. It is uh, pouring. It's a three-day weekend, and maybe Monday it might dry up enough for some people to get out. Uh, they'll have to. They'll have to layer up, though. Uh, <laughs> the American Express uh, started the West Coast swing. We're finishing it up just up the road in L.A. with uh, at Riviera with the Genesis Invitational now. And uh, overall, what have been your impressions? I, I know uh, I don't know if you got up to Pebble Beach. I know that's one of your favorite stops there with the with the charity uh, or the pro am that they do. Phil almost was able to pull it off. Uh, Nick Taylor getting a victory there, his second uh, in an impressive uh, display at Pebble, where the weather was finally as good as it's been in the last few years for him. But overall, yeah. how the West Coast swing go, and uh, what were your impressions early on on the tour? Well, it's interesting. You know, the American Express event, as you know, followed the Hawaii event. So it was the first event really on the West Coast, and it went really well down here. Um, we had Stevie Nicks on Friday after golf on the driving range at PGA West, and about 21,000 people were there. And we had Luke Bryan on Saturday night after golf, and about 25,000 were there. So the driving range at PGA West was <laughs> was multi-use, multi-use. But lots of people, lots of fun, and raised a lot of money for charity Um Phil's the host, as you know, of that event now. He did not play well, missed the cut, and uh, he's had a tough start to the season, but uh, he had a great play. He played great at Pebble. I didn't go to Pebble this year for the AT&T. I did go to the U.S. Open, but I didn't go this this week or last week. I was busy with doing other things, but uh, it's, it's been a good start. You know, it's interesting to see what's going on at, uh, at Riviera, obviously one of the great golf courses on the West Coast, and to see at Wyndham Clark is just a couple yep. strokes back, you know, former Duck, which is nice to see former uh, player out at the Winco Foods Portland Open. Um, I hope he has a great day today. It's tough It's tough for Tiger because he's hosting the event. He's probably been oh, pulled in a few different directions this week, but uh, that's part of the job when you're the host of the, of the event. And uh, we'll see what happens. He's nine back, so he's a long ways back. We're just watching him warm up, though, uh, on the range at Riviera. He looked good. He looks His golf swing is so good right now. It reminds me. Back in '96, when uh, when he did when he won the amateur at Pumpkin, um, he's swinging more like that now than he than he did a few years ago. All the violence in his golf swing is gone, and it uh, looks fantastic. No, it it really does. And uh, the question though is, how often are we going to get to see that? Uh, he announced he's not going to play the WDC event in Mexico next week. There's questions then about how many of the uh, Florida events he may or may not play leading into. Uh, Augusta where he's trying to defend his green jacket. He got five events in before Augusta last year. He's only going to mm-hmm. have two after uh, Riviera, and it's, uh, you know... It's- yeah, well, I think he'll play the players, uh, I would suppose. He'll yeah. play the players' championship um, mid-March, but, you know, he's only, he's playing 12 to 15 tournaments a year, and, uh, you know, one of the challenges on the PGA Tour right now is there's 49 PGA Tour events, and, uh, Tiger Woods is playing, let's say, 15 of those, and Phil Mickelson's playing 20. And so you look at the, uh, you know, you look at how many tournaments don't have those guys, and it's a challenge. And uh, so you got to be creative now in our business, um, and you've, it's got to be more than a golf tournament, as we've said for years. You've got to have other things for the fans to do and enjoy, and that's where food, wine, music, and golf come in, and that's kind of what we're focused on. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that the stars just don't play more than around 20 tournaments a year, Swags, and, and there's 49 events. So it's interesting. It really is right now. Talking with Jeff Sanders, Executive VP of Lagadier Golf, the man for the Winco Foods Portland Open, presented by Kraft Heinz, uh, where 25 more guys will get their PGA Tour cards or earn them back, as uh, we're seeing in more cases, right. uh, as guys start going back and forth. But along those lines of, um, you know, the, the top players are playing limited events on the full PGA Tour uh, schedule. Now we keep seeing articles about this Premier Golf League. They've pitched it to Phil. They've pitched it to Tiger, who have publicly acknowledged they've looked at it or listened to what they're trying to do. Is this a big threat 
to the PGA Tour because Jay Monahan, uh, there was a report that a uh, sternly worded letter got distributed amongst the players saying, uh, you know, cross. The, there's a line in the sand if you decide to go back this thing. Don't expect to be welcomed here on the PGA Tour. How much concern is there over a rival league or some other entity coming in and, and being more attractive to PGA Tour players than uh, the Greater Greensboro Open at times? Well, it's interesting. You know, it's uh, as you said, both Tiger and Phil were, were pitched, uh, the Premier Golf League, and, you know, they have to look at it. I mean, obviously, the amount of money that the, that, they're, that they're talking about playing for is crazy. A guy like Phil at turning 50 and not looking to play the Champions Tour at this point in his life, you know, probably fits him fairly well. I mean, I mean, I again, I'm I'm so loyal that I can't imagine these guys playing the PGA Tour for all these years and then jumping to the Premier Golf League. You know, Greg Norman tried to do this many many years ago when he was when Tim Pincham was the commissioner and he wanted to start the World Golf League. And, um, you know, here, here it comes again. So, you know, I guess it's Saudi Arabia money from what I know and, and lots of it and a limited, and you have to play 22 tournaments, which what we just talked about a minute yeah. ago, Tigers 12 to 15. And I don't know, I don't know how he'd ever play 22 tournaments with, you know, with his, with his body in the, in the shape it is, even though it's, it looks great to me right now, it's got to hold up for 22 events on that tour. Um, yeah, and Jay came down. You know, Jay Monahan stepped up and said, "Hey guys, you, you know, I mean, can you imagine if you lost the top twenty guys? To, all of a sudden, what would you have? I mean, exactly. PGA Tour would have a real big problem. Guys like people like myself and our company would have a really big challenge trying to figure out how we're going to get people to come watch the events if we didn't have those fifteen or twenty guys. So, you know, uh, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I hope that I hope they stay with the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour goes on for a long time because uh, obviously selfishly in our business you know we want to we want to have those guys play and I don't think Jay is going to let them play both places. No, it, that that letter was clear about that. If you're going to go play, then your status is uh, gone, and it'll be interesting to see then what it would mean for sponsors if if they would not be allowed to give a sponsor's exemption to one of those guys if they might have been a past champion or or a local native or you know kind of grew up in the area where a particular tournament is. I'm also curious, and maybe you can let people inside. You know, normally uh, for most sports, you look at television ratings, television revenue as the source, the main source of income to determine salaries and bonuses and those sorts of things. But I, I don't know that it's necessarily equivalent for the PGA Tour uh, because you have the big title sponsors that put up the big money. How important is it? Uh, for TV and TV ratings and viewership as it relates to uh, tournaments and purses and having the money to attract the biggest fields. What, what gets guys, what gets the golfers wanting to play in certain events beyond just the, the Grand Slam events and the majors? Well, it's, it's the points now. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the carrot at the end of the season. You know, it's the FedEx Cup. It's it's, you know, it's number one in the world status, and all it goes with that. It's also off the golf course endorsements, you know. The better you play and the, and, the, and, the, and the higher your ranking, the better chance you have to get the more wins, especially the big events, you know, the more marketable you are as an individual player. These guys are all independent contractors, Swag, so they, they you know, they don't get a salary. They don't have a an owner of the team. They don't get a guaranteed contract uh, to play PGA Tour Golf. One of the things about PGA Tour Golf, as I think everyone knows, is these guys are all on commission. Um, if they make birdies, they get paid. If they don't make birdies, they don't get paid on the golf course in terms of prize money. So, and the prize money goes is really connected to the off the golf course, you know, endorsements. If you if you play well and you've got a great personality and, and a corporation wants to you know uh, partner with you, then you can make some, some great money. Guys like Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler. I mean, these guys are making a lot of money off the golf course a lot more than they're making on the golf course. And they really have to do that to, to be able to, to, to make the kind of money that they want to make it be in the top of their field in the world of golf, you know, worldwide. So, you know, I think it's interesting. It, it, uh, uh, what I, what I find, what I love about the PGA tour is it is, it is solely based on how you play. I mean, you know, if you make, like I said, if you make birdies and you win big tournaments, you're going to, you're going to do great. And if not, you're going to be gone. And, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting model. And so as it relates to 
title sponsors and purses and television, um, you know, the more eyeballs on your brand, the more you're going to pay. So if you've got if you're if you're the sponsor of the Players Championship or what a WGC event that's got all the best players playing, then you're going to the, the purse is going to be more, the title sponsorship investment's going to be more, but the return on investment for that brand is going to be more as well because you're going to get more eyeballs on your brand around the world. And so they, they kind of go hand in hand. In other words, if you have a if you have a uh, a small uh, purse and you don't get the, the stars to come play then you know you're probably going to be on golf channel and you're not going to be on network television and uh, you know it's it's you don't buy you don't buy a title sponsorship on the PGA tour for television honestly unless it's network because uh, the, the distribution at golf channel level versus network is dramatically more at network so but you know like the American Express and the Safeway Open that we run those events are up against football, and they're up. You know, there's, there's. Uh, it's, we couldn't be on NBC yeah. if we wanted to be right now, right? In January, we're up against football, so there, there, there's a lot of that going on too in terms of competition. But I would say, the television matters to the to the sponsors of the biggest events with the most stars, because again, the distribution worldwide is just so much, so much more. So many more people are watching. Jeff Sanders, Executive VP Lagadier Golf Events, uh, joining us here. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of a breather now that your four-tournament run uh, is over for for the season. Uh, we'll dial it back up. Of course, the Winco Foods of Portland Open coming up out at Pumpkin Ridge, uh, August. Uh, correct me if I am wrong. 6th uh, through the 9th out right. there at Witch Hollow uh, for the Corn Ferry Tour and the 25 Tour Cards. Where are things at? Looking forward to to the 2020 event, and uh, at what point do you guys uh, start really dialing it up and uh, getting going? Well, tournament director Ryan Tejera is working on it 24-7 right now. I mean, we have a tournament director for each of our events. So, you know, Ryan runs the, the Winco Foods Portland Open, and uh, so he's working on that event, you know, again, every day and has been since the event ended last year. So he stays focused on that event 12 months out of the year. It's going great. I mean, you know, again, we're gonna we're gonna give all of our ticket sales again this year to local charities, and uh, you know, we expect to deliver over a million dollars to local charities again for the seventh year in a row, or, or six of the last seven years. And so we're, that's important to us. Uh, crowds continue to grow. The guys continue to come out of the out of Witch Hollow with a card, and they go out and they win. I think we've had close to 60 wins now on the PGA Tour from graduates of the Winco Foods Portland Open. Guys like Wyndham Clark and Aaron Wise and Justin Thomas and Cameron Champ, these guys have come through the Winco Foods Portland Open, and they're winning on tour and uh, and playing great golf. And so I love the event because, it's as you and I have talked for the last seven years, it's fun to, to be a part of these guys when they're coming up and they're going through town on their way to the tour, and then they go out and play great. You feel like you're a part of their career. You feel like you're helping them be successful, giving them a place to play. And there's no better place to play on the on the Corn Ferry Tour than, than Pumpkin Ridge. I mean, Pumpkin Ridge is the very best venue out of all the tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour. We're very, very lucky to have Pumpkin Ridge as both golf courses yeah. for the Pro-Am. But really, Witch Hollow, where all the history of the U.S. Amateur, U.S. Women's Open, you know, all the history there, it's just a wonderful facility, and it's, it's, it's the best place to play on this tour. And so the guys look forward to it. Um, we look forward to hosting them. And I think that the community, the, the Portland, Oregon golf fans and the people who want to have fun with, with the event have figured out just how good these guys are. And so the crowds continue to get bigger all the time, and it's fun to watch it grow. So we're, we're, we're real excited about the event coming up in August. And, of course, we're going to have great weather always in August in Portland. So it's going to be another great week. Well, we always look forward to being out there with you as well. We hope you will come back to the Northwest sometime soon. We can get you in studio and pick your brain some more. Jeff Sanders, Executive VP, Lagadier Golf Events. Uh, get a little vacation time, though. Enjoy it down there in La Quinta. Wait till, the, wait till it gets a little warmer here before you come home. I'm going I'm I'm to make you jealous now. I'm sitting here in my chair, and I'm looking out. And I'm seeing, let's see, I got an orange tree with about a thousand oranges on it. I got a lemon tree with about 20 lemons on it. I got a grapefruit tree with about 100 grapefruits on it. I'm not sure which one I'm going to pick. 
I'm gonna go. Maybe I'll pick one of each and throw it in the blender and see what we come up with. What do you think? I, I think that'll work. <laughs> I think there's some sangria in your future. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me, buddy. And great job on the show. It's gonna be a, a great year, and it's always fun to talk to you and and, and Harold and. And good luck this year on the show. We're going to have some fun. We will have some fun. Thanks so much, Jeff. Take care. You bet. There you go, Jeff Sanders, our buddy. We're going to take a quick break. I see Barb Trammell, CEO of the Oregon Golf Association, coming in. Lots of questions for her. Things going on as it affects uh, the golfers out there this season. We make the turn. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Tips for your game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Bluestein. It's time to Ask the Pro on Golf in the Northwest. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. 8.32 here this morning, Golf in the Northwest. Thanks once again for Jeff Sanders uh, hopping on the line with us. Uh, Harold is on uh, vacation visiting some family. He'll be back with us uh, next Saturday. And so when we uh, turn to the pros, we go to the Oregon Golf Association. Very pleased to have returning to the show CEO of the OGA, Barb Trammell, on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Jason. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Back in town. Uh, we caught up uh, while I was uh, on yeah. the road with the pilots down there in Stockton, and uh, you were kind enough to to come on. I know we're not quite uh, into the full uh, full regular right. season here in the Northwest. It's just the uh, the hardcore golfers out there uh, getting through the wet and and the slop here a little bit uh, before things right. kick in in March. But uh, I thought it was a good time. There were a couple of things that uh, we wanted to get to here. Uh, to make people aware of uh, that are going to be out playing uh, regularly. And the first one is uh, a new world handicapping system uh, for golfers that are used to using the index and and entering their scores, Uh, the USGA Mm -hmm. starting to do this. So I'll just let you explain maybe what this is and kind of the rationale behind revising the, the old handicapping system. Yeah, sure. So the WHS, I mean, we knew, uh, you know, a couple of years ago that this was going to be happening. So we had a lot of preparation. And there was a lot of work to go into it. But basically, um, you know, if you think about it, golf already had a single set of playing rules, a single set of equipment rules, and a single set of the rules of amateur status uh, that were jointly overseen by the, the USJ and the RNA. But there were six different handicap systems that were used around the world. And so I think the USJ and the RNA felt that with a lot more competition being conducted internationally, particularly as illustrated by the return of golf into the Olympics, uh, that it just made sense from an administrative standpoint as they were administering events globally that there was one uh, set of handicapping rules. So the World Handicap System uh, did launch in January of 2020. Um, and basically, there are a couple of uh, you know a couple of main things that I just kind of want people to know. I mean, number one, it's it's definitely a, a new calculation. So there's a brand new algorithm, um, and uh, now, for instance, someone can get a handicap with only submitting three scores, so it's easier to establish one right off the bat. And under the new system, you're averaging the you know the best eight out of your most twenty recent scores, where in the past it was. 10 out of your most recent scores. So, um, you know, other than your, your handicap changes, so what, what people will notice, and again, our season, our posting season has not changed. That will begin March 1st, as well as we're a seasonal association. Um, but what folks will notice is that their handicap index will probably change. Now, it will be different for everyone. Some may go up, some may go down, some may stay completely the same. Uh, again, it's just based on the new, the new calculation. Um, and, and the other piece that people will probably see is that their course handicap, when they're playing and using their handicap, either competing with their friends or, or competing at a club level, uh, will also change. Uh, and that calculation is different because now PAR has been entered into the calculation of your course handicap uh, rather than simply course and slope rating. Uh, so as an example, you'll see that, for instance, if the course rating is higher than par, then your course handicap will go up. If the course rating is lower than par, your course handicap will go down. So, so folks will see, you know, different numbers, but what, you know, what we're trying to communicate to everybody is don't panic. <laughs> I know everybody is, everyone gets really passionate about their, their handicap, yeah. but if you think about it, 
Although yours is changing, remember, everyone else's is changing, too. And it's just a, a new new format. We're just asking people to, to trust the system. Chatting here with Barb Trammell, CEO of the Oregon Golf Association. Uh, one of the other nice features, though, it looks like uh, it's going to update daily. So you don't have to wait till right. the 1st and the 15th of each month. There's a, there's a yeah. new app that you can download, uh, entering your scores and those sorts of things. So once it's in, you're going to see the immediate uh, or a more immediate updating of your uh, your handicap is there anything uh the players will have to do differently when they're entering their scores or anything like that at this point well the same uh you know you can enter again similarly to what you've been able to do before you enter at the kiosk you can enter your scores on gen.com or you can enter the scores using the gen mobile app and we're encouraging people uh, to do that but the biggest thing that we're going to encourage folks to do is to enter their scores hole by hole and, and you're right, Jason, you mentioned now they're going to be daily revisions, which is going to keep handicaps more current more often, which we think is a, is a good thing. Um, but if you enter your scores, because the one thing that is different, some folks in entering scores are probably familiar with uh, the equitable stroke control system, and you, you, you entered uh, your highest, the number that you could enter was, was consistent throughout. Now, uh, net double bogey will replace... ESC, which people were familiar with in the past, which is would be par plus two plus any handicap strokes that you would receive on that hole. So people are kind of afraid of, oh, my God, I've got to do a whole lot of math now. But so what we're encouraging people to do, if you enter your scores hole by hole, either as you're playing on the app or at the end of your round, the system will make that calculation for you. So you don't need to do any math at all, uh, and it'll keep your uh, scores that you post uh, more uh, more accurate. Uh, so we're just encouraging people to post hole by hole. And, uh, yeah, and you can go to uh, the OGA. They've got uh-huh. uh, a whole handicap section. Uh, there'll Absolutely. be uh, links to uh, the system or, or the app page as well, so you can download that, be ready to go. It won't start until March 1st as we're still in right. uh, winter rules right now. Barb Trammell, CEO of the Oregon Golf Association, uh, our guest here joining us. There was another uh, piece of information that came out from the RNA mm-hmm. and the USGA within the last week. It was their Distance Insights Report and conclusions and uh i had some airplane time so i thought you know for some light table (laughs) reading i'd download it and uh i got through the conclusion part okay that read like english i was was Uh, gonna say did you fall asleep if you were reading that whole report uh, i did we got to regressions of coefficients of resiliency and i had flashbacks to ap physics and i said okay that's (laughs) that's enough but uh, yeah. The bigger thing is the USGA and the RNA commissioned this study to go find out just how fast uh, and how far the increase in distance is going on at, at as many levels of golf as they could quantify, including, right. uh, you know, the top, they call it the elite level professionals mm-hmm. and the elite amateurs versus recreational. And I thought it yeah. was interesting that, their conclusion came back that it is time to seriously look at uh, holding back the technology, whether it's the clubs, whether it's the golf ball, uh, or courses are yeah. start are starting to going to be mm-hmm. unavailable to use for championship level. What what did you make from the report? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Again, number one, the the USGA and the RNA. Uh, you know, I can't tell you, went into this completely eyes wide open. They did not have an agenda in mind. This was, if you will, kind of a fact-finding mission. And the USGA and RNA has over the years always uh, continued to look at whether it be the rules of golf or or equipment. Uh, They have continued to evaluate um, things for whether or not they would look at at changing some things. So this, this is really nothing new. However, this was a really extensive look at distance and how it affects the game does it affect the game and is there anything that is necessary to do but it's all about the future of the game of golf I you know I can't stress enough that it's nothing that there's no fire to put out right now that's that's what they tell us uh, there were three areas that they studied in the study which was began in May of 2018 actually uh, it was the what, what were the contributors of uh, distance what are the impacts? And then thirdly, what are the perspectives of stakeholders? So they did do a lot of surveying uh, of just 
people's opinions, and that was people across the industry as well as John Q. Golfer. Um, so they took all of that uh, in, into consideration when they came out with the survey. So, um, you know, I, I think, it, again, it's about the future of the game. I think they just want to be able to find out, is there something that should be done? Because as you alluded to, Jason, it, it's about the sustainability of the game. I mean, we, we've all been preaching uh, playing forward tees, for instance, yes. to play a set of tees that are suitable to your individual skill level, and, uh, and, and that really goes to the heart of we want people to have more fun at the game, and there's no point in someone who can't break 90 to play the back tees. I mean, you just don't have any fun. Um, so, uh, again, they want to look at the golf courses are getting longer, which costs more money to maintain, and that plays a factor into um, the, the distance um, arena as well. Yeah, this was uh, this is from their concluding thoughts. So this kind of summarized mm -hmm. everything, and I'm going to quote, we believe that it is time to break the cycle of increasingly longer hitting distances and golf courses and to work to build a long-term future that reinforces golf's essential challenge and enhances the viability of both existing courses and courses yet to be built. Uh, there's a lot in that statement. Uh, yeah. So now with this as now a motivation to move forward, what is the next step uh, from your understanding that the USGA and the RNA are going to, because you've got golf course operators who are saying, I can't lengthen my tees anymore. Right. I don't have any more right. land. My construction yeah. cost land acquisition is preventative versus manufacturers who are, putting time and money into research and development. And while the technology, the, the technology is amazing. And for the average mm -hmm. golfer who wants to, you know, hit it, who trying to drive, you know, go from 200 to 220 yeah. just to be able to play. How are, how's the USGA and RNA going to balance those two competing factions? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Jason. And that's exactly why they're undertaking this study. So to your question, as far as timeline, so in the next 45 days, they have said they will, they will issue topics of further research. And whether that be specifically looking at equipment modifications or looking at clubs and balls uh, or whether or not to institute a local rule that will provide committees um, of something, they will, within the next 45 days, determine what further research needs to be done. And that'll be very specific uh, pieces of research. Then we'll, it'll take another probably nine to 12 months, they have said, to fully research those topics before any kind of proposal is even formulated or made. And then there'll, there'll be a, a comment period that they will issue uh, before any changes are proposed or any, any solutions that are proposed. So uh, I, I think there's more to come. I, I, again, I, I would say to people, you know, don't panic. It's nothing that's going to happen right now. Again, this is more about the future of the game. And I will say, just as an example, it's not unprecedented for sports to look at something like that. Take, for example, Major League Baseball when no aluminum bats were, yep. were permitted. You know, they are looking at the, the, the same thing that other sports have been. It's all about the sustainability and the hopefully health and growth of the game. Well, we're uh, curious to see what uh, what the USGA and the RNA uh, come up with as they move forward. Barb Trammell, CEO of the Oregon Golf Association. Uh, the new handicap system will go into, well, it's in effect. Uh, it'll affect Oregonians in March 1 when the new uh, season posting season begins. You can go to OGA.org and find uh, all the links to everything that you need. Thanks so much for taking a few yeah. minutes for us this morning. Great, Jason. You're welcome. Good talking to you. You too. Barb Trammell, CEO of the OGA. We appreciate uh, her uh, kind of some of the things going on there in the industry of golf as it, as it may affect uh, you, whether you're uh, a weekend warrior or, or an average amateur, uh, things to keep an eye on. When we come back, I'm going to have Luke come in. I'm going to get Will involved going back to the Premier Golf League and kind of where the interest lies and what you want to see moving forward. Uh, from professional golf, what would get you more in tuned to see things as we wrap things up here? Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Thanks to Barb Trammell, CEO of the OGA, for uh, joining us here this morning. Jeff Sanders earlier today as well. Center and Saint coming up uh, following us. And then it's All-Star Saturday night from Chicago. NBA All-Star Weekend here on The Fan. 
Uh, college hoops uh, tipping off at 9, Ohio State and Purdue over on 9-10. And then at 4-15 will be uh, Oregon Ducks baseball. Yes, college baseball season is yeah. underway. Uh, this weekend, that'll be at 4.15. So. That'll take over the center in the sand. College baseball, that's Will's wheelhouse. <laughs> I was just explaining to Will what a handicap is ah, in golf, and he yes. was curious why they don't do that in other sports. But I think They that's do it what, in bowling. I, that's what I was going to ask you. I was yes. just going to ask that because I, I, I told him, I was like, well, you're playing against the course. Right. So you're playing against a static uh, you know, opponent in, in a yeah. sense. And I go, they probably do it in bowling. We'll ask yeah. Swag about that. But you've never had a handicap in golf? Not in golf. I've never, uh, you know, I'm working for a living in here. You guys <laughs> know how much I'm in here. So yeah. it's um, hard to get in as many rounds as you would normally like. And yeah. then it's sporadic. And so, yeah, but this year, definitely got to get set up and go. So, so last year was the first year that I signed up for a handicap. It does two things. Uh, one, it, it helps you concentrate on the way that you're playing, not the way you're playing against right. whoever you're with, which is fantastic. And it forces you into playing more rounds. Well, that's a good thing. Kind of, yeah, you kind of look at your yeah. your, your handicap and you go, i got to get out there and play again. Yes. Well, that's, hopefully the weather cooperates. Yeah. Uh, basketball season will be over soon, and I'll have a lot more free time. So well, there you go. So there we go. Luke Anderson here. Oh, Will Darkens on the other side of the glass. Uh, I want to go back to something we were talking about with Jeff Sanders. Uh, with these tournaments, he mentioned 49 official PGA Tour events. Uh, in a calendar year, that doesn't not leave much time for guys to you know take off. Uh, but the top top players only playing fifteen to twenty. Uh, you've got guys like Rory McIlroy and some of the European players who will go over and play back there. Whether it's stuff at Dubai, whether it's the big events uh, on the European tour. So, uh, in terms of how relevant it is outside of the majors. Usually the players gets a little bit of, uh, you know, just the iconic sawgrass and the island green and that sort of thing. I'm curious, this Premier Golf League in concept, I don't know if you heard, so they, yep. they want like 18 to 20 events, $10 million purses at each event. It would be team golf based on your country, I understand. 48 uh, golfers, 12 four-man teams. Is that something, what what gets you guys to a TV to watch golf? I'm, I'm in, I love the sport. I get to know all these guys coming up. I'm excited to see Harold Varner the third. see if he can win his first tournament here. Uh, he was a uh, uh, one of Charlie Sifford uh, exemption uh, early in his career, sort of thing. I, I'm jacked up about that. I'm in the minority. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, Small minority. The, the the unique thing that golf has going for it is that you tune in as much for players as you do yeah. for anything else. I mean, golfers. Um, but you know, if, if Tiger Woods is competitive on a Sunday, that gets your attention. If he's competitive. For a major on Sunday, that gets everyone's attention. Yeah. So if you can get the biggest names in golf, because think about what's going on in football right now. You have the XFL, which is trying to take a little bit of what's going on from the right. NFL. But you're not taking Tom Brady and he's playing yeah. another season on it. You have no ability to grab the best players in football and get them out there. You're just getting more football. So it's not, it's not trying to create a gimmicky follow-up to it they're trying to create an event that draws in the top golfers in the world and if you're able to do that and you can create drama at the end of a weekend i'm in well uh the only way would probably be if you could find a player that is the next tiger woods or similar yeah somebody well, who... we've been looking for the golf has been looking that for that player for a decade <laughs> yeah, and every and... time they think they find that uh -huh. one then there's a lull something happens yeah. and jordan spieth had a summer where uh -huh. he was the guy yeah, and he was it was the, jason yeah. that's that's why McElroy, point to justin thomas golf. that's my problem with golf <laughs> so is, is there like, anything you know that like we follow headlines about tiger no, doing I nothing oh, right uh, I, trust me i know i get sick <laughs> like, of and it. that's like, that's probably the issue i have with this league is the idea that you're just going to put tiger somewhere else where we'll report <laughs> on more nothing about tiger and phil yeah. like there were headlines this week talking about when is phil going to retire like Oh, Phil, Phil, as long as his body is able to get out there and he can, quote, still hit bombs, he's going to, you know, we'll follow where the money is. So That's the best thing that could come from this, is that you got a young player who comes in who's really charismatic, who has a personality that can take on the face of golf and can energize a younger base of, yeah. you know, fans. Because right now, Tiger Woods, 
yeah, isn't still so it. much a young guy. He's kind he's, of in the twilight he, of his career. 43 now? Yeah, and most of the people that remember the great no. days of Tiger Woods are right around my age, and I'm in my 30s. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, well, I'm curious. Is there anything about – so is it strictly about star power? Yeah, yeah, I would okay. agree with that. Well, there's, there's another element to it. When you talk about star power, right now if you ask kids who they want to be – it's probably a, a close race between Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes, right? They go out in the backyard and they, they're bombing up threes. I, I was playing one on one. I was hanging out at my brother's house and the neighbor kid came over to play basketball with us. And he's just shooting from across the street. Steph Curry launching it from his own yard. That's who kids want to be. Patrick Mahomes has a little bit of that magic. But the other thing, too, I think for golf fans, because I'm, I'm a fringe golf fan, I, I'm, not, I'm not as into it as you are, but I watch golf. I don't know, probably six Sundays a year, I'll sit down and I'm just watching golf. But the other thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to make it so different than what you're used to that you show up and all of a sudden all the rules are different. I had a conversation with this Australian. Um, I was actually out on a golf trip. I got invited out to Sylvie's Ranch a couple summers ago. I'm still waiting for my invitation. That place is awesome. I'm going to try to bump into the guy at the golf show. Anyways. but we were talking about soccer as it compares to American football. And he's Australian. And one of the things that he brought up that I wasn't really aware of, he goes, the thing that I love about soccer is in the last hundred years, there's been two rule changes. We change two or three rules every year yeah. in American football. The NBA is changing rules all the time. I, I still don't understand how you can have a challenge and not stop the clock to challenge a goaltender at the end of the game. Whatever. Baseball keeps trying to change yeah. all these rules. If golf continues to change rules and it becomes unrecognizable, you, you end up alienating the fan base that was is there hanging on because there's some – I remember watching Jack with my dad or I remember watching Arnie with Grandpa or whatever it was. You don't want to alienate the fans you already have – by making it a different game than what you're used to. And if team golf becomes a whole different set of rules, I think you just worry about just kind of muddying the waters. So that's that's mm. a, a fear that yeah. I think you have. But I, That's fair. I think they could do a little bit more with it. I'd like to see some more, um, you know, match play sort of situations. or team. I think they could have should have done that with the Olympics rather yeah. than just – Make the Olympics special and unique. And you've got other formats that we understand that are common in golf at different occasions. So The best thing you can do for sports is get more young people playing. Get more people playing yeah. in general. Golf is great because you can enter at any stage of your life. You can still yeah. go out and play. I'm playing more now because when I'm 65, I'm not playing pickup basketball anymore. No. So no. I'm playing more golf now. So get more people to play. More people will watch. Money we'll, money helps. It, no, it does. And uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it now as uh, they wrap things up. Thanks, guys, for uh, joining me a little conversation what's coming up next for the two hours uh, you've got following this uh it's gonna be all college softball and college Sweet. baseball that's uh, two hours of that and i have a theory on papadillas okay well stay tuned for that for the next two hours center and state coming up then harold will be back with me i will be in this same chair next week uh pilots are at home all week and then uh, thanks to jeff sanders and barb trammell for joining us that'll wrap things up for luke for will I'm Swag. Hit him straight. Now, how would I adjust? Well, I've got to choke down on my club a little bit to try and overcome. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.